Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. If you were with us last week, we had one of the most uplifting sermons we've had to date. It was love versus Hitler. So it's really uplifting, uh, I'll say. But uh, this week, it's love versus the critic. One of the things that uh, we mentioned last week is that there's a danger in ideas. You think, well, what is, it? What is an idea? An idea never hurt, it anybody, hurt anyone, did it? Well, actually, we go back to a guy by the name of Hitler, and his ideas and philosophies and religion really put into action uh, devastated much of the world. So they do play a role, and they are important. So what do we do about that, okay? Well, today's lesson is about action and doing something, because it's not enough just to be a critic, okay? It's not, it's not enough to just be a critic. There has to be real action. Now, we ask the question, does your opinion really matter? Well, I mean, I'm not, your opinion doesn't really matter. But, you know, if I was asking myself, that's a joke, uh, not a good one. <clears throat> but opinions, everybody has one, right? We, we all have opinions, and not all of them are bad. I'm not saying that, okay? In fact, you may be the kind of person that people seek after your opinion because you give good advice, okay? In that instance, your opinion is very valuable, wouldn't you say? However, the critic is something different altogether. Let's refer to the dictionary. A critic is a person who expresses unfavorable opinions of something. Two, a person who judges the merits of literary, artistic, or musical works, especially one who does it professionally, like a film critic or a food critic. Okay, how you get a job being a critic, I'd like to know. However, okay, with the advent of social media, okay, it seems that we become a nation of critics. We feel compelled to give our opinion almost in every matter. It doesn't matter on social media. Oh, like, dislike, like, dislike, unfriend, friend, whatever it may be. Oh, I just posted this meme that I found from somebody else. Please stop posting memes that you found from somebody. Come up with something creative. Anyway, for many of us, it's become an obsession because now it's like our opinion really matters for something. And listen. And I'm not saying that your opinions or sharing your opinions is necessarily wrong or bad, especially when they come from well-thought-out convictions. If your opinions come from well-thought-out convictions that have been developed over time, they can be useful and worth something, right? But here's the problem, okay? Here's the problem. <clears throat> there is a subtle deception that can make us feel that we have actually done something once we have shared our thoughts on a matter. It's subtle, right? I, I'm, I'm the same way. Sometimes when I just talk about something that I know I need to do, I feel like I've already done it. It's sort of like me uh, rewarding myself with a piece of pie after I've talked to someone about dieting for 20 minutes. 
Well, that was really good. I did something. I helped somebody get along there, and I got myself a pie. Really doing stuff, changing the world. Listen, true convictions, the real deal, true convictions should lead us to action. Period. If it's a real conviction that comes from the heart, and we all have them, it's not enough just to critique the world based upon that. There has to be real time moving from, <coughs> from the heart all the way down to the feet. James chapter 4, <coughs> verse 17 says this, If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Therefore, okay, knowing then is one thing. That's one thing, knowing, okay? Doing something about it is what really matters. So, does your opinion matter, really matter? Yes, if it's based upon convictions that lead you into action. Yes, if it's based upon convictions that lead you to actions. Father, we thank you for our time together, and Lord, we ask that you speak to us. That's why we're here. We want to know from you. We want to be convicted and challenged at the same time, Lord, that know and trust that you can make these things happen in our lives. Lord, we don't want to be satisfied with just asking for blessings all the time. Lord, we want to be a blessing and be the blessing <clears throat> that you want us to be to this world and to our brothers and sisters. So, Lord, we commit it to you and ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Culture, politics, and the gospel. I'm going to quote, I mean, exclusively from Alexander Solonitsyn today. A buddy of mine, after listening to sermon last week, sent me a bunch of quotes from Solonitsyn. They're all brilliant, and I sound like I'm smart when I say them, so it's really cool. But... Uh, I'm going to be quoting from him all the way exclusively through this service, all right? He said, the simple step of a courageous individual is not to take part in the lie, okay? The simple step of a courageous individual is not to take part in the lie. One word of truth outweighs the world. One word of truth outweighs the world. And if you think just because, oh, nobody really knows me, I only have a few hundred followers or maybe 10 or 15, no one's really going to pay attention to me. Listen, one word of truth from anybody outweighs the world. <clears throat> now, we understand as Christ followers, if you've been around at all, we understand that we have a mission, right? We have a mission. And we're told that we're to go out and to preach the good news and make disciples. In fact, we're given that in the last chapter of Matthew, <clears throat> chapter 28, verse 19, where this is called what many, many are calling the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when it says go here, we like to focus on going, but really it's a, it's a, it's a Greek word, mathetusate, which means as you are going, preach the gospel, preach it to all nations, make disciples, 
as you were going. So the idea is that it was to go forth into the world, not just cloister up and sort of protect itself, but to move on and have an effect in the whole world as you are going. And a part of that mission is not only just to preach the gospel and tell, here's the good news. Jesus Christ, Son of God, came to the earth to die for your sins. He did that whoever believes and trusts in him would have eternal life. That is really good news for sinners. If you're not a sinner here today, well, then great. It's not that great a news. But if you are and you've had evil and problems in your whole life, it's really good. <clears throat> but that's not the whole part of the gospel. The gospel is well-orbed and formed. It is comprehensive. Hence, we, uh, I bring you back to what we <clears throat> read last week in Matthew chapter 5, um, verse 13. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, gives this very simple analogy, but very profound as far as it concerns our mission as it pertains to the gospel. <clears throat> he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, you are the light of the world, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden, okay? Neither do people light up a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and, give it, and it gives light to everyone in the house, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Yes, we can call people to repent, to be reconciled, brought into a right relationship with God in Jesus Christ. However, there's more to our mission. What we're called to do is in juxtaposition to way that the world operates as standard operating procedure. And we talked about Hitler last week, that his, his philosophy and the, the, the religion that he embraced was that of natural selection, survival of the fittest, plus a bunch of other horrible things that led him to believe that in the process of exterminating Jews, he was doing the world a favor and moving mankind as a whole forward. So in his religion, in his ideology, he was doing the world a favor. Okay, here's the problem with that. He had told everyone, or had told the Jews, that, uh, told the, the, the Germans and along with the Third Reich, that the Jews were out to destroy them. They were our enemies. And so what we were doing is purpose, purposely, no, purpose, perfectly normal, and it's the right mode of action. And people went along with the whole lie. We made a contradistinction with love that is spoken of in Scripture. This love spoken of in Scripture says <laughs> we... Uh, we give a voice to the voiceless, okay? We stand up for those who can't stand. We comfort the hurting and the downtrodden. We don't see it as our duty to get rid of them. We care for the weak and the poor among us, and we stand against tyranny and all forms of evil that destroy human flourishing. You see, what you believe matters, but here's the deal. A part of this gospel takes away this mean 
competitive spirit that would destroy other human beings and says, no, a part of our gospel is we go in, fix, repair, uphold, build up, uphold, build up, build up, build up, build up. Because God loves human beings and Satan hates the objects of God's love. Period. <clears throat> All right, light. So Lenison said, my wish for you is that your skeptic, eclectic brain be flooded with light of truth. That your skeptic, eclectic brain would be flooded with light of truth. Period. Light, okay, the light of the gospel shines into darkness. And in dark places, light is often welcomed because people can't see where they're going. When you shine the light of the gospel into a dark place, it's like someone shining a light into a tunnel. There is illumination, and you're able to follow that light and be led out of darkness into more light, into more life, into more into more flourishing as a human being. That's why he says, while I am not here, you are the light of the world. You see, what we're doing is we're living for this moment when he said, I will return. Jesus said, I will return. And when he does so, he will take the rightful throne over his kingdom in the world and justice and righteousness and peace will abound throughout the whole world. Until that happens, he has given us emissaries. He's given us a job as a mission to take that forward into a world that needs light and light also, it needs salt. What does salt do? Salt preserves, okay? It slows rot, and decay. It helps heal wounds, doesn't it? It adds flavor to life. I mean, think about it. Salt is a big part of everyone's life. I mean, every meal that you eat, what's the one thing that you have? Salt, right? Salt and pepper and Cholulas. That's really the three main, maybe a little sriracha, but you know, right? you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you could translate this into light and sriracha. I don't know how, how you would do that. But it's a big part of everything. It gives life a, a flavor and a savor, doesn't it? It means that there's, there's a value to it, a savoriness that you and I can bring to life. We preach goodness. We shine light into the darkness. We fight decay. And we occupy this world until the rightful king returns and rules with justice and peace. If we truly, okay, look, if we desire to fulfill, truly desire to fulfill our vocation in the Lord, we must embrace with our whole, with, with full gusto, the plan and mission God has for us. That, that, that's it, okay? That, that's it. We have been saved as grace upon us by God's own hand and his own design, if you're a Christ follower, but you were saved for a purpose to bless the world and not be a curse. And if you believe that, your convictions will lead you to actions that will change not only your world, but the world around you. All right. Light and salt in culture. Now, 
It's not enough to be a critic, or is it enough to be a critic? Or should we engage culture fully with courage, or we engage our culture, and we can, in, in a myriad of ways? Here's, here's, here's the point. You, if you're like many people living in this country right now, are sort of aghast at what's going on. It seems like people right now are being so divided, divided in so many different ways. People who would normally never think of themselves as being separated from someone else are now being divided more and more and more and more for various reasons, from race to gender uh, <clears throat> to economic um, status or whatever it may be. It's like, okay, everybody, you were getting along, but now you're not going to. And, and, and you can sit back like a critic and say, well, that's not right. A part of maturity, a, chart, a part of a, a, a good education is learning how to think and understanding that. I mean, if you really have a good education, you learn how to be humble before other people. You learn how to value other people for their uniqueness, for their difference, okay? But as it is now, it seems like we're all in competition and we're at least being pitted against each other to bring disunity. And that is not what God's called us to do. And so you think, well, I'm just getting, you know, the culture's going in such a way, I don't even know what I can do. All I can do is sit on the sidelines, and you didn't know you're sitting on the sidelines, but your convictions say, I don't know what to do, and there's a sense of feeling helpless as something slips away. And it's because we don't understand our full God-given calling to get out there and to get involved, okay? Get involved. And we can do so in a myriad of ways. We can get involved in literature, writing of literature, disseminating of literature. It, it, it affects and influences other human beings in education. I mean, how many of us have had, remember that one great teacher that made an impact on your life and really encouraged you, and, and you'll never forget them. They're still a part of your life. In the arts, <clears throat> music, and, and um, uh, painting, and all, all of the other expressions of art, that should be a foremost push for us as God. There was this old, weird song from the 70s, and I wish that they had never written it because I don't think it's true. But the song was, Why Does the Devil Have All the Good Music? And I was like, that's not a good question. Anyway, <laughs> in social work, helping people get along from, from one state in life to, up, to be built up, to grown up, and to have a chance and advantage, we should be at the forefront of things like that, making ourselves out to be peacemakers. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers. Not, he didn't say, blessed are you when you shout someone else down and shame them. No, he didn't say that. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, okay? Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, one of our jobs, the ways that we can change our culture and to be a help to our culture is to, to get in there and help people make peace with one another. Listen to reason. That's important. That's a part of being light and salt. Modeling humility and kindness. You think the world could use just a little more kindness? What's the name of that song? Why don't you try a little kindness? Okay. Only people over 75 know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> try a little tenderness. Oh, there you go. You got it. All right. Not dividing, but building up 
and bringing people together. Bringing people to the table to learn to speak to one another and respect one another and care for one another and, and care for the differences in people. I love getting to know people from different walks of life, and I'm always curious. I'm asking, like, where'd you come from? Where's your family? So what's going on here? Because the stories are so interesting, and I learn so much. But if somehow you view the rest of the world that thinks differently than you as your enemy, you're not going to learn anything, and evil is at hand. By being enjoyable. We help change our culture by being enjoyable addition to the community, whatever community that is, your place of work. Um, if we hold back the critic, okay, in us and lift up the doer in us, we'll find a plethora, okay, of opportunities to be light and soul. The critic stands back and goes, hmm, hmm, hmm. The doer says, be quiet, critic. I'm going to get over here and be a part of a solution. I'm going to be a part of what makes things better. One changes, one criticizes. Stop, okay, expecting others to believe like you and truly accept them for who they are. Because when you do, you admit to the truth that God has made human beings in his image, in the imago Dei. I say that all the time. And if you can look at somebody and say, this person's made in the image of God, man, did they look funny. And they're looking at you going, boy, does that guy look funny. Boy, does she look funny. And yet, because there's no animosity or fear or hatred or division, you come together, and you make friends. Some of my best friends are so different from me. I mean, most of them have a full head of hair, and I still love them, and I don't consider them an enemy, and I'm not bitter about it. Anyway, let's move on. That's culture. Okay, what about politics? Okay, okay. Now, politics is a world of danger, manipulation and shouting, isn't it? It's a world of danger, manipulation, and shouting. How many of you, when you watch political ads, feel that somebody's manipulating you? <clears throat> Did you know that candidate so-and-so gave blah, blah, blah to this blah, blah, blah? This is bad for New Mexico. Like you're an idiot. You know, I have a cat. My cat, I can spot my cat manipulating me to get more food in their cat bowl. You know, all of a sudden I'm like, you know, you know how cats are? They're like, oh boy. I'm ignoring you. And then all of a sudden they're hungry and there's a big meow. Like, oh yeah. What a liar. You're manipulating. You get that. It's dangerous. And there's lots of shouting. And I know I'm a hypocrite because I've been shouting since I started this message. But we're kind of expected to do so. Okay? People of my ilk. Okay, let me quote Solinson again. Gradually, it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. 
and through all human hearts. This line shifts inside of us and it oscillates with the years. It does. You see, there is a, a note that evil is not a big collective problem in as much as it is a personal issue. That's why Jesus offers forgiveness to the individual. You understand that? Now, you think about politics, you know, why would I want to get involved in that? Listen, I know I'm the worst. I put down politics more than most. And that's because um, nobody's asked me to run for office, and I'm really bitter. No, I'm joking. I would never want to do that. But, but, I'll, but I'll tell you, if you're a Republican, okay. If you're a Democrat, okay. If you're an independent, okay. Libertarian, whatever else, okay. Whatever you call yourself on your voter identification or your bumper sticker, if you are a Christ follower, your first allegiance is to Jesus and his kingdom and his ways. I'm going to hold you accountable to that. I'm going to say that it's his ways and the way that he does things and his ethics must take precedent. And whenever your party or whatever they're doing starts veering off in another direction, you and I should stay the course and follow and honor the Lord. Because we have to understand that if we truly believe in Jesus and we're all singing hallelujah and everything in church, if we really believe it, then it means that we would never place our political affiliation as an idol that we believe in more than the power of God. Let's hear it. Come on. Hallelujah. We can't, I mean, politics are necessary. It's a part of, of our, our, uh, um, our, of our uh, democratic republic. But I'm telling you, my friends, Jesus has called us to operate at a different level. That's why Democrats and Republicans can come into the same building and worship Jesus and hold and, and believe the same things because we hold that in higher esteem. But you have to always hold it, hold it in higher esteem. So how do I get involved? Well, first of all, don't think that being involved in the political action is voting for a president. That's one thing. But you can't complain about the local, what's being taught in the education system in your school and saying, well, I voted for that president and nothing's changed down here at my local elementary school. Listen, if you want to get involved, if you believe that you should be involved, do so because you want to be light and salt, because you care for other people, not your own agenda, and you believe that you can be a servant. Find the closest local need and seek to help wherever you can. Carly and I, for years, when our kids were in elementary school on Fridays, we'd go down and, and volunteer. It was just a part of what we did, and it was fun. Uh, because, first of all, we could kind of peek in and see if our kids were messing up. But beyond that, it, it was a part of being a part of the community. And, and sometimes there would be conflicts or things said in the classroom. And what I used to do is that I, I'd put my suit jacket on, dress really nice, and then go in and ask to speak to the principal. 
Cheap suits never intimidate anybody, by the way. But there have to be a part of it, okay? Forget about the party line. Always follow what Jesus says. But act locally because you're a part of a community. Therefore, you need to share your voice because what happens affects you in the community, okay? It's not about putting forth a political agenda. It's actually taking seriously the mission that God's put you on to be a good citizen, to help out, to do what's right, to be a part of a solution rather than sitting on the sidelines complaining. That's, that's how you win, is you get involved. The moment you stay back and never get involved, I'm telling you what, life just passes you by. School boards, local committees, etc. no shouting, although I, I know I've been shouting for quite a while, but act on behalf of what is good and good for all. Stand up to evil, okay? That will hurt the young, the innocent, and the voiceless. You see, if you have a voice, if you have influence, well, that means that it's been given to you for a reason, to protect and to help those who don't have it. If you're a strong person, God didn't give you strength so that you could oppress people who have less power than you. He gave you strength so that you could help those who don't. You get that? That's how we're interconnected. That's how we, we all have value. You, you get that? Okay? The young, the innocent, and the voiceless. We don't shout. We don't point our finger. We don't wag our finger. We don't tell everybody, oh, that's not what the Bible says. What if they don't care about the Bible? (laughs) You ever think about that? You ever get people to try food? You know, I I do this with my brother all the time. I drive my family crazy. I'm always coming up with something, and I always make it out of love, and I'm just like, I can't wait to see them eat it. You like that? Yeah, it's pretty good. No, no, no. Let it savor. It's really good. I'll take stuff over to my brother, and I'll say, hey, man, eat this. And he's like, I'm not, I don't really like that kind of stuff. Well, you haven't tasted it. And so I'll spend, it makes me want to just tell him to taste and taste and taste and taste. And I drive him crazy. Listen, if you want to share the gospel in a way, instead of irritating people and saying, come on, try Jesus, try Jesus, try Jesus, try Jesus. Enjoy the presence of God before them. Enjoy your life, and pretty soon people get this hint that maybe I ought to try that. You don't have to convince everybody. (sighs) Most of all, don't go along with the crowd because you might stand out. Listen, sometimes it only takes one voice to say, this is ridiculous. What are we doing? You could be that voice. Okay, here's, here's something that's critical. At every point, at all cost, resist a power grab. If we do this and this and this, we'll be able to grab power, and then we'll get back and we'll be in control. That's not Jesus' way. That's the world's way. That's a political way, and it's a very good strategy. Here's the problem with the Jesus way and the grab for power. Most malevolent movements of evil on the planet that have destroyed 
thousands and millions of lives started with a open, bare grab for power. It's the way it is. It's a grab for power. It doesn't really care about the outcomes. It cares about grabbing and assuming power. And once you get power, then the next step is to maintain power. And then you compromise to keep the power. Okay? Christianity doesn't work well under that paradigm. It just doesn't. We work a lot better as an underdog, and we, we stay more true to our calling. But seek to honor the Lord and His way and look for His blessing and outcome. His blessing and outcome. All right. Before you start out on this, let me just say, before you start, check your heart. Anybody? Let's say that together. Before you start... Check your heart. All right. One more, Solonitsyn. He says, since I have come to understand the truth of all the religions of the world, they struggle with the evil inside a human being, inside every human being. It is impossible to expel evil from the world in its entirety, but it is possible to constrict it within each person. It is possible to constrict it within ourselves with God's help. Power and position are not the answers. Power and position are not the answers. Service to Jesus Christ and humanity is the answer. There was a time Jesus was, people were calling him Messiah. It looked like he was going to be the king. Maybe even be crowned in Jerusalem. They had so many followers. That the mom of the sons of Zebedee, okay, John and James, mom came to Jesus one day over Matthew 20, and she said, Now, Jesus, I know that you're going to come into your kingdom soon. We can all tell it's going to happen. I just just want, when when you sit on your throne, I want one of my little boys. They're so good. They're such good sons. One on your left side and the other on your right side. I mean, come on, Mom. Really? Well, anyway. So he's like, wait a minute, you're you're totally missing the point. And the other guys got all bummed out about it. And so in verse 25 of that same chapter, Jesus called them all together and he said, listen, this is in contradistinction to that power and the seat of power is where the glory is. You know, he says, that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. It's power, position over subjugation. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Think about that for a minute. Who's he talking to? At that time, there were just some disciples, some fishermen, tax collectors, normal rabble-rousers in the community. They became some of the most important historical figures in the world. This is what he tells them. Not so with you. 
Not so. Not so. Instead, however, who, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, Jesus referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So you're telling me that the God of the universe, the creator God, sends his only son here, and when he shows up, uh, he's like, I don't do it that way. What? You have all power. You have all authority. And I'm here to serve. That means that he took the world system and turned it upside down. Boom. You've been doing it all wrong. You've been seeking power. What happens when you seek power? Well, you start destroying lives of people around you because the power becomes the most important thing. Jesus turns it around and says the most important thing are the people. And the people are messed up and the people need help. Why do messed up people that need help need the most? Service, discipleship, caring, loving, understanding. When you blow it or when you're working, I've never really been very good with cars. I mean, if you mean by, you know, I can take them in, get the oil changed. Pretty competent. But everything else, people just kind of walk up to me and what do you need to do? No, what are you doing that for? What are you doing that for? And, and if, if you want someone to sit there and critique you, it's not helping. If someone says, look, I know what's going on. I know how to help you. I can help you. Great. Jesus said, I came just to serve because that's what's needed. And if you and I can get it in our mind that whatever we do, you've you got to start with the heart, okay? Check your heart before you start. If you and I can honestly step in and be a part of a solution, more people will welcome your message than reject your message. I got it all figured out. I know what the Bible says. You're all wrong. Or how can I help? Well, who are you? I'm just here to help. I'm here to serve. First, if we're going to be a servant, we have to do it the Jesus way. First, check your heart because that's where the evil starts. It doesn't start over there. It doesn't start over there. It starts here. Check your heart. First, by asking God to search your heart and reveal to you your true motives. You can handle the truth about yourself. God can reveal to you your true motives, why you're doing it. Begin to pray for those, okay, with whom you're about to engage and serve. That you're not seen as an adversary, but as a help. Work to truly love them. I mean, really learn to love them by praying for them, thinking about them, thinking good thoughts about them. Not focusing on the negative, but focusing on the things that bring you together. Learn to enjoy and respect those that think differently than you. How shallow 
and immature are we going to remain by simply just saying, well, those people believe, I'm sorry, I don't know why I got a Barney Fife voice now, Andy, I know. those people over there, they think like this, they think like that, they're terrible people, why? You get to know them and you realize, oh, there's more in common than there is indifference. And so much more can be accomplished by looking for unity and peace, even with people that disagree. It's called maturity. Look it up. In total, just be there to serve. Serve others. Be glad to. Smile about it. Be happy about it. Okay? Be there to serve your community and honor your Lord in the process. Honor your Lord in the process. The only real skin we have in the game is what God has given us. That's the real deal. Let, okay, listen, it won't be easy. It sounds easy on Sunday morning, but I'm telling you what, it's hard. It's hard. But anything that's worthwhile is never easy. That's an old axiom, maxim, but it's true. Anybody say amen to that? Anything worth accomplishing, okay, anything worthwhile has never been easy, but it's worthwhile, isn't it? Let love and the Word of God Through the power of the Holy Spirit, be your guide. Christ followers, let love, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit be your guide. And be there to bless. 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 And even better, yourself be the blessing. an old song that we used to sing, Lord, make me a blessing, humble and true. There's so much freedom in that. You can have people shouting at you, telling you that you're stupid, they can call you names, and it doesn't really matter. Because you're not there to receive any honor, you're there to honor your Lord and bless those who are there. You want to change the world? Well, better hurry up. It's changing right now. (laughs) Somebody's beating you to it. So get after it, folks. We got a lot of work to do. And what you'll find once you step beyond the critic to the, the, the doer is you'll find joy and God's provision through it all. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you. You so challenge us. And Lord, we're so weak at times. Most of the time. Lord, we want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But Lord, we want to do it in a way that honors you and blesses people, all people. 
not just a select few that agree with us, but especially those who don't agree. May you bless this world, Lord, and use your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.